more time. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to church. It looks like the volume might be a little bit on the loud side, so I, I know they're still working on that back there. And while they're doing that, I'm excited that we are able to continue in the sermon series we've begun, Word to the Wise. Somebody say Word to the Wise. And, you know, as we continue forward in this series, we have talked about gaining wisdom. Gaining wisdom. And one of the things that we've talked about in the first week was about how our relationship with God and how we view him impacts how we do that. We said the, the fear of the Lord was what? The beginning of all wisdom. And then we went into week two, and we began talking about how to apply this practically in our lives, especially even in the work that we do. And we discovered that fools despise wisdom. Fools despise instruction. And that we wanted to be wise. We did not want to be foolish. We wanted to receive instruction. We wanted to receive wisdom. And so we delved a little bit deeper so that we would be able to do that. And so today, we're going to hone into the word, that word part of the series that we have not touched on very much. We're going to look a little bit deeper into the book of Proverbs. So if you don't have your Bible, I know the ones in the back are covered, but there's plenty up front next to Evangelist Sharon. So if you need a Bible, just kind of lift your hand and we'll make sure that you receive one. And then, is this the mic here? You got it already? Okay, thank you, Daniel. Daniel has our mic. Everyone has our scriptures getting ready. Because we're going to start in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25. So we're going to talk more today about the words part of wisdom. Because I think one of the things that we have to become more cognizant of is that wisdom requires us to be careful with our words. I think that's one of the things that I learned early on as a new Christian. I had to choose my words more carefully. I didn't quite understand it at first, but I would you know, meet people who were in the church and I would ask them if they were gonna do something and they would say something like, the Lord willing, I'll be there. And I would just say, just say you're coming or you're not coming. But they understood wisdom was, I don't want to commit myself if I'm not going to be able to follow through. I have to be careful with my words. We talked about last week how as you mature in Christ, you also become more careful about the advice and the counsel that you give people. And then when people ask you for your advice, you're not quick to just tell them what you think in the flesh. Girl, I would leave him. Man, if I was you, I wouldn't put up with that. You learn how to guard your words because you don't want to say anything that's contrary to the will of God for that person's life. And so you begin to carefully say, well, you know what? Have you prayed about this? I'll pray with you. Let's pray that God will give you direction. Meaning, I don't want to say something that's out of turn. Wisdom. So we've gone through this, and we lastly covered how God is an invitational God. He is not going to force himself upon us. 
or force us to behave in a certain way. And so I really just want to encourage you that this would be something that we would take on because we have wisdom, because we're not foolish. Amen? So, Pastor, I want you to see if you can get our young people to just undevise, unconnect for a minute, because I would like for everybody to receive this wisdom, and I know that this is something that's going to be a blessing to our lives. All right, so let's get to Proverbs chapter 25. Everybody there already? Proverbs chapter 25. We're going to look at verse 11. Verse 11, who has that 25 verse 11? You have that already? Leah, do you have it? CJ's getting a Bible, even though 20 minutes ago I said, everybody get a Bible. <laughs> All right. So we are in page 322, if you're looking at the house Bible. And we're going to read that in the King James Version. And then it looks like Evangelist Sharon's going to read that, Daniel, if you want to run that over to her. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. The key in this verse is not giving advice, but rather giving timely advice. Friends, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to us growing in wisdom, this really is the best place for us to start. So our first point for our note-takers note is knowing when to keep quiet. Knowing when to keep quiet. There is a book in the Old Testament about a guy named Job. You may have heard of it before, right? Now the Bible says in a good way that there was no one on the earth at that time like Job. He was a righteous man. He sought to honor God with his entire being. But as the story progresses, the devil comes to God and asks for permission to take things away from Job's life. Satan mistakenly believes that when those things are taken away, Job will want nothing to do with God. So God allows him to be tempted. And the devil takes away pretty much everything from Job except his wife. And what is his wife's response? Just curse God and die. Extremely helpful words, right? Those are not the words I want us to focus on right at this moment. I want to give you a little context about what happens next. Turn with me to Job chapter 2. When Job's three friends... See how tough a situation Job finds himself in. This is what they decide to do. Anybody there? Job chapter 2? You there? All right, let's have uh, Reverend Edmund read this one for us. We're going to read verses 11 through 13 in the King James. What page is that on in the Holy Bible? Thank you, 216. 260. 260 if you're using the church Bible. Now when Job's three friends heard all of this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place. 
Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Zeemathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his own mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they sought that his, saw that his grief was very great. Did you catch that? None spoke a word. The key phrase is no one said a word to Job. Now often in life, especially in times of great pain, like the ones that Job was facing, people often feel the need to have the right words to say, the right advice to give, the right secret recipe of how to remove themselves from the situation, even though we don't have that knowledge being presented to us supernaturally by God. And we're seeing here that sometimes all that person really needs is what? Your presence. Your presence more so than your advice. And how easy it is for us to try to offer up, offer up some words that are not extremely helpful and sometimes can be hurtful if we are leading them astray. So wisdom, remember we're still talking about wisdom. Wisdom with our tongue is understanding what time we're in, when and where the time and place are for those things. Maybe you've been in a situation just like this before. I know I have, especially as a young person, I was always at a loss for words when there was a death and I didn't know how to comfort or how to offer comfort or what to say and I always felt like I didn't have the right words. Now we can understand sometimes you just need to be present. There's nothing you need to say. You just offer your love and your support. Sometimes it's simple as ordering them something to eat because they haven't eaten in days and don't have the strength to cook. Sometimes it's not what you say and the wisdom is in knowing when that time has come. Now maybe today you begin to take a book a page out of the biblical playbook, if you will, and you decide that, okay, I do want to sit with someone as Job's friends have done before speaking to them about their situations. Ecclesiastes says it best, there's indeed a time for everything. So how do we handle the time when we are called upon to speak? Whether we are giving counsel or answering a question in an interview, or having a heated conversation with a spouse, no matter what we find ourselves doing, how do we speak with wisdom when it is time to speak? So let's take a look at that. Point two is when you speak, let it be helpful. When you speak, let it be helpful. And for those of you who are reading with me, start getting over to Ephesians. We're gonna be in the book of Ephesians chapter four. It is, this is the reality, it's easy to be positive and uplifting when we are lighthearted, 
or just in surface level conversation. But that is not always the case, especially when there are more heated discussions. So we have to decide in advance to lay down our ego. We must be willing to sacrifice that one snarky comment that would win the argument for a more helpful comment. Paul gives us the same advice in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Are we there? Anyone have Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29? Sister Jackie? What page is that in in the House Bible? 565. 565. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that in good that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Mm. Minister grace unto the hearers. Paul doesn't just give us a command to follow, but the result once we do. He says that if we are willing to refrain from negative speech, our words will be an encouragement and even helpful to those listening. But we must face the question once again, how do we do this? For the answer, we must return back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. Once you're there, say amen. Amen. We got one person there. Proverbs 4, 23. Everybody there? What page is that in the House Bible? Page 314. Leah, would you read that? Four twenty-three, on page. What page did you say it is? Three fourteen, Proverbs four twenty-three. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Mm. Out of it are the issues of life. That's pretty weighty. Part of what we do often begins with what we say. And we must guard our hearts with all diligence. Because what we realize when we begin to gain wisdom is that whatever is within it will eventually come out. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and they go real deep? I mean, way back to 1974? And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought we had graduated from that, I thought we were past that, but that never really had been removed from their heart. And so when the time came to speak, their heart revealed what was really deeply buried within. And so what we have to do if we want to operate in wisdom is to begin to guard our heart, begin to tend it almost like a garden. You know, those people who garden well, and I can't pretend to be one of them, they have a certain way that they go about doing this, and one of the things that they have to do in order to be successful is to remove the weeds. They can't just let everything just grow together and just sift themselves out. 
They know that the weeds will pre prevent the harvest of what it is that they are trying to grow. And I think in much of the same way, we must carefully and diligently guard our hearts, not thinking that the unforgiveness that's there, not thinking that all of the anger and the hate is just going to somehow weed itself out. We have to be careful to remove it ourselves so that as the things that are growing, as we're growing in grace and as we're growing in love and as we're growing in, in generosity and prosperity and everything else, there's not something that sneaks up and begins to cut away that growth. Have you ever heard somebody say, it feels like I'm taking three steps forward and then five steps backwards? Not dealing with things tend to have that kind of effect where you think you're getting ahead, but then something that you did not deal with rises up to become a hindrance. And so part of us operating in wisdom is being willing to acknowledge that. I just think that's so key for us as believers because you know we've talked about this being the graduation season and one of the things that I think is key about us realizing that as we are spiritually growing, these are things that only we can do. It's not like when you work at a job and they can see your performance externally and then they have a way where they can measure it and tell you whether you're doing it right or not. When it comes to our life, it is up to us to take the inventory. It's up to us to be honest with ourselves to say, okay, nobody else can see this thing. On the outside, I look good. On the outside, it looks like everything's okay. But I know I'm still wrestling with this or I'm still dealing with that. And I know that I'm only going to get so far by pretending that it's handled. I know I need to go back and address these things. I need to lay these things on the altar. I need to put my heart before God and say, God, I need you to remove these things that hinder me from being able to be all that you've called me to be. That's where the wisdom comes in. Because you, you really aren't fooling anybody but yourself when you pretend that it's not an issue when you know that it is. Another way to say this is that whatever is poured in will eventually be poured out. Think about that when you stub your toe. If you ain't fully delivered yet, what's coming out? <laughs> Some choice words, right? Whatever you're pouring in is going to eventually pour out. It's nothing funnier to me than if I'm around my kids and they slip and they say a curse word and I'm like, if that's what y'all been saying when I'm not around, it's just gonna slip out when I am. Whatever you pour in, whatever is natural, whatever you really do, that's what's going to come out. And it's no secret that our culture, for the most part, does not think before they speak. This also comes in the form of social media. We love social media, don't we? It's wonderful. It's entertaining. It keeps us connected. We know what our friends that live in other states and other countries are up to because we have this. But it also gives us the privilege of looking into people's lives that we really don't even know that well. And that doesn't seem to stop people from having an opinion. 
And because we're behind these screens, there's this bravery and this boldness that allows people to say things without even thinking how that's going to impact the person on the other side. Some of us speak more on social media than we do in person. And the best advice that we could ever receive is think before you speak. Think before you speak. How many have heard, maybe some of my teenagers can relate, I was talking to one of my um, girlfriends who's a superintendent of a school district, and she was talking about how a young lady had, um, in, in a lapse of judgment, shared some photos that were revealing of herself to someone who she was romantically involved with, and then when they were no longer romantically revolved, he shared these photos with everybody in the school. And so people not thinking that there is a person on the other side of these words began using the most hateful words on social media and the young lady took her life. Now I'm sure many of you have heard of some version of this story in the past where there are words that we are speaking to another individual not understanding the power of our words. That we have the power to uplift the power to encourage, the power to inspire, or the power to destroy, the power to humiliate. And we have to choose what we want to do with our words. Our words have that much power. How would this comment affect the other person? Will it help them or will it hurt them? Am I saying it to tear them down or to build them up? Now, I have to tell you, this is something that, you know, as we all look and we work on becoming the best version of ourselves, I constantly have to work with this. Now that I have become more prevalently involved in social media, one of the things that was surprising to me, when you have like a small social media profile and just your family and friends are following you, it brings forth one batch of comments. But when you have a greater profile and you are exposed to people who don't have proximity or relationship to you, you will get more extraneous comments. And I remember I got one comment, it was so extraneous, it was so inappropriate, and I was just like, okay, how do I respond to this? And the whole time I'm thinking, and every time, have you ever seen the thing where people are typing and the bubbles are going, and then they go away, and then they come back and they go away? That was what I was going through. I was typing, I was like, nope, can't say this. Then I start typing again, I'm like, no, can't say that. And I had to keep working at it until I was able to say something that would still edify the hearer, even though the hearer's intention was to harm me. Amen? It's not an easy thing to do. It's really something you have to set out to do in advance and you have to work at because we're not wired that way. When someone hurts us, our initial reaction is, oh, I got something for you. And especially when I really consider myself to be a wordsmith. It, I was the kind of teenager when we would have study hall and everybody would be laughing and talking, me and this little boy named William Burns, we would get our dictionaries out and we would have word battles. 
and we would bring up big words and be like, spell it. What does it mean? And we would literally sit up in school having vocabulary dictionary battles. I love words. And I can put some words together. Amen. That's what I mean. I can put them together. That's what law school was all about, putting words together to explain your viewpoint. So this is even more difficult for me because my first inclination is to put together whatever words I need to to get my point across. And what we're saying is, uh, wisdom requires us not to do that. Wisdom sometimes requires, and my husband is so good at this, somebody will send him a crazy text and I'll be like, did you respond? He'd be like, nope. <laughs> like, not at all? Nope. How do you do that? Like, how do you do that? He's like, no response is a response. Oh, Jesus. No response is a response. I'm not dealing with this foolishness. It's so foolish that I'm not even going to acknowledge it. Wisdom. Wisdom. It takes the utmost humility to be willing to ask these introspective questions and make the necessary changes. This takes work. It's harder for some of us than it is for others. For me, this is one of the harder things to do. Guarding our hearts looks like keeping good things in and bad things out. It's a moment-by-moment moment decision. It's a moment-by-moment moment decision. Most of what will be thrown your way from the world around you will not be helpful. It will distract you from scripture, make you question whether God is still at work in your life. This is why it's important to fill your heart with the good news or the scripture. I like to really think of it to me, it's sort of like, you know how like if you start to feel a certain way and you start to feel bad enough, you'll get up and go to the emergency room? I have trained myself to be that way when it comes to my spiritual health. Like I have like a bookshelf and I have like certain books and they're like prescriptions. And so instead of me going to the hospital and the doctor saying, I'm going to prescribe you a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you go to the pharmacy and you get that, I have trained myself that when I feel a certain way spiritually, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling worried or I'm feeling something that I know is not of God. I'm like, whoa. I take myself to the spiritual emergency room. I start pulling the books off my shelf. I start reading the word. I start reading my affirmations. I start making my declarations out loud. I put my worship music on. I start worshiping. And I don't stop until I feel that it is lifted. You have that kind of power. You can transform. You can guard your mind. You can say, I'm not receiving that. I'm not letting that get into my mind. You can guard your heart and your mind. Whew. If you don't already, develop a daily reading rhythm in the Bible. Spend time speaking with God throughout the day. These will be make or break points for what gets into your heart 
and therefore eventually what comes out of it. Third and final point, be aware of the options. Be aware of the options. We're going to go to James chapter 3 as we close. This is the final word of wisdom as it relates to words and how we use them. And there's this interesting statement in James that I think we should address. James chapter 3, verse 10. James chapter 3, verse 10. Who has that? And what page is it on our house Bible? Take your time. James chapter 3, verse 10. 585 in the house Bible. Anybody want to read it that hasn't read yet today? Anybody? Nicholas? Troy? Alex? Patty? Charmaine? Anybody want to read it? Come on, y'all. Don't be scared. We don't bite. Who wants to read it? James chapter 3, verse 10. What page is it on the house Bible? What page did you say it was? Page 585. 595. 585. 585. Nicholas is going to read that for us. James 310. Hold on now. Page 585. James believes that blessing and cursing are not meant to come from the same mouth. That same mouth. This verse reminds us of the two options on the table for us whenever we decide to open our mouth to speak. No matter what setting we are in, these are ultimately our two options. And listen, as you begin to practice this, you will keep each other accountable. My husband and I, we keep each other accountable. We have trained ourselves that we don't even play with certain words. You can't say stuff like, I'm going to kill you. We don't even play play. Those words don't come out the mouth. You can't say, you know, ooh. Sometimes it'll be like the, the phone battery will be dead. And we'll say, oh, I'm dead. I mean, my phone battery is dead. It matters. The power of life and death is in our tongue. And so when we realize that, we begin to speak. There's something I always say, and whenever I say it, it confuses people. But if you follow me, you'll get it. Speak what you seek until you see what you say. Speak what you seek until you see what you say. So I won't say what it is. Let's say I'm broke. I'm not about to look at my bank account and be like, oh, I'm broke. If I speak I'm broke, I am speaking what? I'm broke. It could be negative $700, and when I see it, I'm going to say, I am blessed and highly favored of God. And people around you are going to think you're absolutely crazy, and they're going to say, how are you blessed and highly favored of God, and your account is negative $700?
well, that's when I'm going to speak because that's what I'm seeking and I'm going to say it until I see it. And I'm going to keep speaking it. I'm not going to speak what I see. Who, I don't, what's the benefit of speaking what I see? Y'all already see that. I'm trying to bring something different to manifest. And so my words have power. And if I believe that my words have power, why would I touch and agree with the enemy to destroy myself? I'm going to speak what the Lord has said because I understand that as I'm speaking it, I am touching and agreeing with heaven. And God is beginning to see that I'm walking in faith and I believe that what he said to me. And so as I'm speaking it, I'm saying it in agreement. My daughter wanted to go to Spelman College. She knew that this was something that very few girls were going to be able to realize. Everybody that applied can't get in. But she had to be willing to sound stupid every time people would ask her at school, so what college are you going to? She would say, Spelman. Ain't had nan acceptance letter. Hadn't even filled out the application yet. Speak what you seek till you see what you say. So when we saw the application go in and we saw the admissions letter come, it was the fulfillment of what we had been speaking for months. So we get the chance to decide what are we going to say. Are we going to let the blessings come out of our mouth? Are we going to profess blessings over our children? Are we going to profess blessings over our spouses? He ain't never been no good. He just like his daddy. Is that, are you sure that's what you want to say? Amen? We have to watch the words. Blessings and curses are not supposed to both come out of the same mouth. Let that be somebody else that's speaking negativity. You are assigned to speak life into this child's life. You are assigned to speak life into your spouse's life. You are assigned to speak life into your marriage, into your job, into your church. Yes, there's problems. Yes, nothing is perfect. Yes, you wish certain things would change. But what if we could speak on the positive and encourage and uplift? I think about on Father's Day, my dad, something he used to say to me, and here I am 50 years old, and it still resonates so loud. And I can see myself, there was this like the back door behind the kitchen, and I was in high school, and there was this thing that I just wanted to be grown so bad. So I would wear like a full face of makeup, right? But they didn't have like YouTube tutorials and all of that, so pretty much, to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. Foundation's not blended, too much, too much of everything. And so I know he was trying to tell me, girl, you look crazy. But he never said, girl, you look crazy. You want to know what he always said to me? Oh, baby, you're so pretty. You don't need all that makeup on. I can still hear him right now. You don't need all that makeup on. That's how he would break it to me, that I look crazy. By encouraging me that I was so beautiful that I didn't need all of this makeup on. And those words to this day, I very rarely, unless I'm going on camera or going to a very special event, now I finally listen to him. I don't need all that makeup on. We, he spoke a blessing. He spoke in a way that I could receive it. 
Sometimes you got to realize you were right about what you were saying, but it was just how you said it. They couldn't receive it because you delivered it so painfully. But James is saying it's not meant for our words to set that way. No matter what the setting we are in, these are ultimately our two options. What we will say will either be a blessing or a curse. It will either leave that person feeling blessed or that leave that person feeling degraded. I need you to catch this this morning because they're leaders in this space. I need you to catch that this morning because they're fathers in this space, ministry leaders, leaders in your job, supervisors, leaders of teams, people who have the ability to, through the leadership, to impact someone in a way where they feel like I can do anything. And you may feel like they are dumb as a bag of rocks, but you better find a way to say, I see greatness in you. I know that you can do this. Come on, let's try it again. I know if you put your mind to it, you're going to be able to rise from this. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Now, we got the world out there. The world will, don't feel like they're not going to get it. Don't worry, the world will knock them down enough. The world will, it'll deal it to them straight. Cut them down. Make them feel like they're nothing. Make them feel like they can't make it. Make them feel like they should throw in the towel. Don't worry, they're going to get the dose of reality if you don't give it. But what we are called to do is to allow the words that we speak, even when we're speaking truth, to uplift and to encourage. The last thing I'm going to say about this came from James 4.3. I'll just read it real quick. It says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So as we're talking this morning about power of life and death and humility and speaking wisely with our words and picking the right timing and picking the right things to say, we also need to realize that sometimes what we're asking, sometimes what we are not seeing happen is because we have not asked correctly. That's why we want to be in alignment with God's will. That's why we want to seek his face. And we want to understand his plan so that the things that we're planning and the things that we're asking and the things that we are speaking align with his will. Then we will see those things come to pass. That's very important because, fathers, we know sometimes we have desires for our children and that may not be what God has called them to do. I'm so careful right now. My oldest student is in college and she's pre-med. And from the time she was young, I always thought, my goodness, she is so diplomatic. She would be an amazing attorney. And she said, mm -mm, I don't want to be an attorney. I want to go to medical school. I'm like, okay. Not an ounce in me thought, no, I'm about to make her be a lawyer. I was a lawyer. She need to be a lawyer. That may not be God's plan for her. How dare I inflict and impose 
my desires on somebody else for what God may be trying to do something totally different. I know what it feels like to walk in the will of God. I want that for everybody. Walking in the will of God is amazing. So if I know that, I have to train my mouth to not say or do anything that would discourage someone from following their path. So that means that every time she's getting whooped with those pre-med classes, I have to hold back. You know you could do just law school and you wouldn't have to be bothered with these med classes. I have to hold them back. Those thoughts are sitting right at the top of my brain. I can't speak that because that may be just the thing that would make her what? Quit and say, well, you know what, forget it. And then when she starts thinking, oh, so you mean after I finish this bachelor's of science, then I gotta go back to med school, then I gotta do a residency, then I gotta, I mean, like, it's like, it's starting to just like really seem so far away. And I dig and I find everything I can to inspire and to encourage and to uplift because this is the path that she has chosen. And if this is what God wants her to do, then that's all we want for her. See, when we begin to see our families this way, when we begin to see our children this way, when we begin to see our spouses this way, our coworkers, the people who work for us this way, that we really just want what's best for you, even if it means that I don't get what I want. Hello, somebody. You want what's best. We love each other. And so because of that, we are so careful with our words because we know that we have impact. Fathers, you have impact. When you speak, whether you realize it or not, your kids are influenced by what you say. Leaders, you have impact. And so when we speak, we want to be all so certain that we are using wisdom and that we are speaking in alignment with what it is that God wants to say. Amen? We have to watch the words. Blessings and curses are not supposed to both come out of the same mouth. Let that be somebody else that's speaking negativity. You are assigned to speak life into this child's life. You are assigned to speak life into your spouse's life. You are assigned to speak life into your marriage, into your job, into your church. Yes, there's problems. Yes, nothing is perfect. Yes, you wish certain things would change. But what if we could speak on the positive and encourage and uplift? I think about on Father's Day, my dad, something he used to say to me, and I, here I am, 50 years old, and it still resonates so loud. And I can see myself, it was just like the back door behind the kitchen. And I was in high school, and there was this thing that I just wanted to be grown so bad. So I would wear like a full face of makeup, right? But they didn't have like YouTube tutorials and all of that. So pretty much, to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. Foundation's not blended. Too much, too much of everything. And so I know he was trying to tell me, girl, you look crazy. But he never said, girl, you look crazy. You wanna know what he always said to me? Oh, baby, you're so pretty. You don't need all that makeup on. I can still hear him right now. You don't need all that makeup on. That's how he would break it to me, that I look crazy. 
by encouraging me that I was so beautiful that I didn't need all of this makeup on. And those words to this day, I very rarely, unless I'm going on camera or going to a very special event, now I finally listen to him. I don't need all that makeup on. We, he spoke a blessing. He spoke in a way that I could receive it. Sometimes you got to realize you were right about what you were saying, but it was just how you said it. They couldn't receive it because you delivered it so painfully. Amen. It's this journey of gaining wisdom as we grow in our knowledge of God's word that we were really getting a chance to delve into today. It's truly full of the principles that we can make or break our relationships and that communication is key in any thriving relationship. And the word of God is still our source for everything, including helpful communication tools. So we're going to pray right now that God would help us to put this in practice, that we would not just be hearers of this word that thought that this was a nice little message, but that we would be doers of his word, that we would find ways to implement this and improve in every area of our life. Father, we thank you right now because you are amazing. You are awesome. You've thought of everything that we have need of, and you continue to allow your word to come alive for us. Just when we think we've seen everything there is to see, we've read everything there is to read, you continue to pour out your spirit and breathe on your word, that your word continues to give us guidance and instruction. And Father, you have shown us that only fools despise this instruction and correction. And Father, we decide not to be foolish. We want to be wise in all things. And so Father, we thank you right now that you're beginning to show us some things we may need to adjust some ways we may need to improve, some, some conversations we may need to have. God, I ask that you would give us wisdom as we speak into the lives of those you've given us influence over. Father, give us wisdom that we would only speak that which is in agreement with your word. Father, give us wisdom that we would be able to give words that are uplifting and encouraging even when we are upset. Father, when we're angry, Give us the wisdom to just not speak until we have calmed down. Father, give us the ability to know the right timing of when to speak and when not to speak. And Father, just give us the ability to walk in your word and in your way so that we will bring you glory. So that when people see how we operate, how we govern, how we supervise, how we lead, how we manage, that we do so in such a way that they are drawn to know more about you because of the excellence in which we operate. God, we want to bring glory to your name. We want to make your name great here on this earth. We want more opportunities to tell other people about you. And so God, allow our words to be words of wisdom that bring your name glory. We ask these blessings in your holy and sacred name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.